You're listening to IBGR, our call sign for the Internet Business Growth Radio Network. The broadcast frequency is our URL, and that's IBGR.network. We provide live and recorded shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on what an entrepreneur or small business consultant needs to grow their operation from zero to big. How big? Up to you. IBGR focuses on the 180 million English-speaking small business owners around the world in four major markets, North America, Australia, Oceania, the Indian subcontinent, and United Kingdom, Europe, and Africa. All of these six-hour cycles are delivered in six major themes, strategy, operations, sales, people, ownership, and consulting. The first four tracks, strategy, operations, sales, and people, are the day-to-day tactical issues all entrepreneurs face. The fifth track, ownership, takes the conversation to the next level. How can an owner working in the business make the transition to an executive of a multi-million dollar firm by working on it? Our last track, consulting, is for our brothers and sisters with the same mission as IBGR, helping small business owners grow. I bet you didn't know that 57% of everybody on the planet is employed by a small business owner. Let's team up and help business owners increase generational wealth for themselves and their family while creating good jobs in their local community. Our team has over seven decades of helping and building businesses. We have turned those years of experience into radio shows and downloadable tools that any entrepreneur, whether you're an independent contractor, solopreneur, or business owner, can apply immediately. All you have to do is download, listen, apply, and engage. Download the show notes that address current issues in your business. Listen to the show live or as a podcast. Apply the information and tools. Engage us with your experience and feedback. And if you really want to maximize your time spent with IBGR, join our community and have access to our toolbox. This just scratches the surface of what you will receive every day at IBGR. The opportunity to grow with us is only limited by your imagination and persistence. Let's grow together and put the world back to work. Thanks for listening. Across the country, you are listening to Catalytic Conversations with your host, Wendy Dickinson, on the number one global business news and talk radio, IBGR Network, International Business Growth Radio. I'm Wendy Dickinson, your host for today's show, Catalytic Conversations. I'm your business growth expert, diving into the why, the what, and the how of your biggest business challenges. I hope you had a chance to catch some of the other IBGR shows this week, Ellen McGillhenney's show or Sarita Johans, or heck, if you've got financial questions, Jeremy Gray or Russell Colburn will help you get to those sticky business owner issues that seem to just pile up in your head. Check out the podcast if you didn't have a chance to catch the actual shows. And these shows offer you, the owner executive, tools to elevate your leadership as you grow your company. We also invite you to join the IBGR Entrepreneurs Community Network located in the IBGR app on ibgr.network, or you can go directly to the ibgr.community. Once on the inside, you'll be in your community of commerce where you can connect with other entrepreneurs and interact with our on-air talent. Join the IBGR community 
where you can grow your network with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. I also want to encourage you to visit my website, Ascend Coaching Solutions. Subscribe, you can get my monthly newsletter, as well as take advantage of the free downloads that are on my website. This is episode number 10 in season four in Catalytic Conversations, and I am delighted to introduce you to my guest for today, Mike Metzger of Murphy Business Sales. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, Wendy, and thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. I'm just so glad that you could be here because I know a lot of you listeners plan to sell your business one day. And before you take that step, you need to build a business that has value to a prospective buyer. And that takes a different lens. Mike can share with you what that lens looks like, how to fine tune that focus so that you can take steps to prepare your business ahead of time. This is the way you can stack the odds in your favor and have a chance to actually leverage your business to accumulate wealth or fund your retirement. We're gonna take a look at things that you can do to build value in the business. We're gonna discuss the most common mistakes that business owners make when putting their business on, businesses on the market. And Mike and I want you to know that what you don't know, what you don't know can definitely hurt your business. And finally, Mike and I are going to share our recommendations for steps that you can take to prepare your business to sell and then integrate successfully once it's sold. And I think you're going to want to take notes, folks. Okay, Mike, please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to be a business broker. Sure, yeah, it's my, my pleasure, Wendy. Uh, well, after my uh, time in the Navy, uh, I joined corporate America in, in financial services and did that for many years. But I came to a point in my career where I was ready to, to go out on my own and do something different. Uh, and as I, I started exploring the, the environment, the business and the small business environment uh, specifically, uh, I, I started reading a lot about how uh, we've got this emerging wave of baby boomers who have built value into their companies and within the next decade uh, they are going to need help selling those companies and converting that value and that really resonated with me because i felt i could use the skill sets i had developed in corporate america to help those small business owners uh, achieve their goals uh, and i've been doing that for about seven years with murphy business sales uh, i own the uh, richmond territory but we have a we're a national brokerage firm with uh, broad exposure across the u.s and even internationally with about 250 brokers uh, worldwide so uh, it, it has really been, the last seven years has been uh, gone by in a, in a blink, but it's been fantastic getting to meet so many different business owners, learn about their businesses. I, I'm continually amazed at uh, what people have built from scratch, and it's really an honor to help them convert that into the next stage of their life, whether that's retirement or moving on to another, uh, create another business. You know, Mike, I'm just curious when you meet with somebody and and they're like, okay, I'd really like to sell my business next week. Can we start this process? What goes through your head when somebody starts there? Well, uh, you know, what I really try to do is um, understand their, their goals and uh, their expectations. So when someone says, I need to sell it next week, um, you know, I don't instantly say, well, that's unrealistic because for all I know, they may have spent the last two or three years really getting ready for sale and it could be well positioned uh, in a very sellable business. On the other hand, it could be someone who woke up this morning and said, I'm really sick of work and I'm ready to retire. Let's sell this thing. 
Um, and that's not always ideal. Uh, in some cases, they're leaving money on the table by not taking the steps to prepare the business for sale. Um, and in some cases, sadly, they have no, uh, ch- no choice. Uh, I've had a number of cases where um, uh, somebody in the family has been affected by a terminal illness or there's some urgent need for them to have to sell the business as soon as possible. Um, and, you know, obviously that's not, uh, not optimal, but uh, in some cases I can, I can help them with that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this would be a good time for us to go into maybe some of the statistics that um, exist around selling one's business. Listeners, four out of five businesses that go up for sale, they don't successfully sell. And of the businesses that close the deal, almost 80% fail to integrate successfully. That is just a huge number of people who are walking around very disappointed. 73% of business owners actually are unhappy with the results of the sale of their businesses one year after the close. And over 60% of business owners are planning to use the proceeds from the sale of their businesses to fund their retirements. That's just mind boggling when you think about the statistical evidence that, that goes against a business owner when they're entering the market. Mike, what's your experience? Do, do those statistics um, represent what you see in the market? Yeah, very, very much so, Wendy. In fact, um, almost almost exactly. So uh, statistically, we show that about 17%, or like you said, one in five almost, businesses that hit the market ever actually sell. Uh, and that's because left to their own means, most business owners may be exceptional widget builders, but really don't know how to sell a business. And it is a very uh, specific skill set in, in the process. Um, they don't know how to determine the value of the company. Uh, they don't know how to reach the right market and when, if and when they do reach that market, they really don't know how to negotiate the deal so that it's favorable for, for both parties. And, and quite often uh, those deals fall apart. So, um, and here's where it gets interesting. Uh, most business owners are pretty confident and competent in what they do. They wouldn't have been a successful business owner for 20, 30 years if they didn't know how to, if they weren't smart and know how to run a business. But quite often that becomes that uh, that confidence can become overconfidence when it comes time to selling your business. Um, I, I've run into a number of people who just think, hey, you know, if I've built this widget company, I can it's easy. You know, how hard can it be to sell the business? And again, it is a very distinct and a very different skill set. And that's where a professional uh, business broker can help you uh, achieve those goals uh, by pricing it properly, reaching the market, negotiating the deal. Uh, properly. So just like you, you don't do home dentistry, uh, you really shouldn't do home, uh, <laughs> home business sales oh as well. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, that is so true. I actually have a couple of clients right now who are hoping to sell their business sometime in the next five to 10 years. And then I have another client who finds themselves in a position where they are, they feel like they have to sell. And so um, they are in the midst of that process with a broker that I actually would not have recommended um, this particular company brokerage. So can you give our listeners a, a sense of um, is five to 10 years enough time to plan? If, if you're in a situation where you're, you're down to the wire and you've got to sell, I mean, what's the, what's the first step? 
Um, yeah, that's a good question, Wendy. So, you know, it's hard to put a specific timeline on because each business is at a different level of maturity within their business cycle and each business is run differently. So, you know, my advice just, I guess, generally is optimize your business now, whether you're going to sell in 10 years or you're going to sell tomorrow, always run your business in the most optimal fashion so that you maximize sale. This is not rocket science, right? Maximize sales, re- minimize expenses and you know, maximize uh, margins and, and return. At the end of the day, uh, when you're selling a business, those are the most critical uh, elements of the sale. So um, I, I guess just to, to repeat myself, prepare today as, as if you're going to sell the business tomorrow, because you never know when you're, you're going to, to have to sell. Now, I will tell you that uh, I speak to some business owners who have followed that uh, uh, advice to the T, and you look at their books, their books are clean, they've had growing sales year over year, they have excellent expense management, high uh, profit margins, et cetera. And, and you know, I look at them and say, congratulations, you know, let's, let's get this to market and get it sold. On the other hand, uh, I sometimes look at businesses, they think they're ready to sell, and I'll take a look at sales that have been declining year over year, and we can go into some of the other characteristics of what makes business di- difficult to sell. Um, and, and I will sometimes advise those people to say, listen, you might want to wait uh, if, you, if you have the time. Um, and just as importantly as, as time is energy. If you have the energy to keep running this and recover some of these uh, finances over the next couple of years, I, w- I would strongly recommend that. Um, and I, I guess just a side note here with the, the, the pandemic environment that we were in and this kind of recession that we're coming out of, that also changes uh, some of my guidance and advice to business owners. And we can certainly get into that uh, if you'd like as well. Yeah, let's get into that in our next segment. Listeners, we're going to take a short two-minute break, and when we come back, Mike and I are going to talk about some of the challenges and the mistakes that owners make when they approach the process of selling their business. Here at Catalytic Conversations, I want you to maximize your returns and minimize your regrets by creating your ultimate owner experience. And if that includes the sale of your business, then hang on, stay tuned for our next segment. And during the break, I encourage you to download the IBGR app. We have the app for Android and for iOS. Stay tuned. Mike and I will be right back. and why do your customers care if you're not sure we can help at Crispin Co we work closely with you to get to know your business together we'll build a strategy that communicates your brand message to the people who need to know it your customers Crispin Co exists to challenge normal we're a full-service creative design and media agency. We trade in innovative ideas, creative content and strategic communication that gets maximum results and return on your marketing investment. Find us at crispand.co or on all the usual socials. Crisp and Co. Innovate. Create. Communicate. 
This is William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Station Director for IBGR. One of my jobs is finding great on-air talent, consultants and business owners with presence and a story to tell. We're expanding our broadcast team to represent our four core time zones, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the Philippines, the India subcontinent, and the last of four, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe, and Africa. If you are a small business consultant or business owner and would like to audition for an on-air slot in our six-hour show cycle, contact the station director, and that is at programming at btr.network. We will respond to your email within one business day. Thanks for listening, and don't miss this great opportunity to put the world back to work and grow with us. Thanks. of Ascend Coaching Solutions, your business growth expert on the number one global business talk and news network, IBGR, International Business Growth Radio. Ready to dive into the challenges that owners face when they need to grow and are considering selling their business? I'm sorry, not grow, sell. Oh, this is episode number 10 in selling your business here with our expert, Mike Metzger of Murphy Business Sales. Go to the IBGR.app and get your show notes. I've written them specifically for you. Mike, what are a couple of the biggest challenges that sellers have to navigate to be successful with a sale? Yeah, um, let me frame my remarks as uh, in the small business world. So I'm kind of talking about Main Street. We we call Main Street, Upper Main Street businesses, maybe even brushing into kind of lower middle market. But we're talking about companies with up to say two to three, four, five million in gross sales. I'm not talking about large corporations or you know even middle market companies in most cases. Um, but I'll start by saying the number one challenge that I see in selling small businesses, and I run into this all the time, is um, dependence on the seller. So in many cases, the business owner, the person selling the company, is truly the chief cook and bottle washer. So quite often they started that business uh, with their own blood, sweat, and tears, uh, have built it over the years, have successfully um, employed people, put their kids through college, paid off the home, and really built a nice little business. But they failed to uh, make one, in many cases, uh, can fail to make one crucial step, and that's figuring out how to step out of the business. And and we've all heard this before. You should work on your business, not in your business. And and many, so many business owners fail to to take that advice. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to, uh, you know, guys in their, let's say, 60s who are still on ladders turning wrenches. You know, they're still actually doing the work of the business, which they enjoy, and that's fine. The challenge with that can be, and and this is not necessarily insurmountable, I'll come back to that in a second, but the challenge can be when a buyer starts looking at that business, they go, you know, Wendy, you've built a fantastic company. I love what you've done. Um, I I think you've got it valued properly, but 
I'm really concerned that when you leave, uh, you know, what happens? You're, you're taking the skills and knowledge with you, or you are the uh, primary relationship with all of your customers. And does that relationship simply dissolve and fall apart when you leave? And I'm left holding a company with no customers or no processes or what have you. So that is by far the biggest challenge that I see in small businesses. Um, so my advice to business owners is obviously try to avoid that. Look for ways to uh, extricate yourself from the value stream. And <clears throat> excuse me, one of the litmus tests that I use when I start talking to a business owner is I'll ask, uh, you know, Wendy, when's the last time you took a two week vacation? Now, if the owner laughs and says, well, you know, I, I took uh, a half a day two years ago because I had a doctor's appointment, you know, red lights, uh, red flags start going going off for me. On the other hand, if they say, you know, we, we went to Jamaica for two weeks last month, uh, we do it all the time. And it, 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 it's an indicator to me that the business can uh, sustain and continue to run in their absence. So that might be a good litmus, litmus test for your uh, listeners uh, as well, Wendy. Um, I, I mentioned one last point on that. I mentioned that um, that problem is not necessarily insurmountable, um, but it will certainly make the uh, sale of the business more challenging. It may mean that the business owner is going to have to do an extended transition. It may have to stay on board for some period of time. It could be two months, it could be two years to, to help that new owner uh, assume the, uh, you know, the role of, of owner in that business. So just something to keep in mind. But that is by far the number one challenge that I see with small businesses. You know, I agree with you. And I think this is especially true. This is especially relevant to our purpose of introducing our listeners who are business owners to put on the lens or view their business through the lens of the prospective buyer. I also have to say that I have had experience with and have heard of once a business has closed the sale that key performers, somebody within the company has left, certain clients have left, and the purchaser has circled back with the seller and, and initiated some sort of litigation against that seller. And, and I think it's, it's the seller's responsibility to really take a look at, um, again, as you say, the, use the various litmus tests to make sure that they are not building the entire company around themselves. So, yeah, I, I mean, there, there are consequences, not only for not being able to sell your business, but even if you sell the business, if you haven't prepared the company and set the company up to be independent of you going forward, there are problems then as well. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, the fact is that most business owners, when you're selling your company, you, you want to see the company uh, continue to succeed in right. your absence. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, sending your baby off, your, your child off to college. You want <laughs> right. to see it continue to succeed. Very few business owners say, listen, I don't care if you close the doors as long as I get my check. <laughs> so. Right, right. That's true. Some of their priorities. So, Mike, what are some <laughs> of the other business vulnerabilities that become challenging when preparing to sell a business? Um, a couple of them are, are fairly obvious. So I talk financials. Um, I, I won't. I won't dwell upon this because again, I think it's fairly obvious. But buyers want to see a, a a strong, healthy business with sales that have at least been steady. You know, ideally have been growing year over year, and and the the earnings uh, growing in a commensurate manner. Um, it can be a red flag if you see sales 
declining year after year and, and converse or and, uh, accordingly the uh, the net income and discretionary earnings as well. Um, and this is also fairly, I, I, I'd say somewhat common. I see this quite often where um, business owners simply run out of steam. They just run out of gas. They get to that stage in their life where they're, you know, quite often in their late fifties, early sixties. Um, and they're, they're just tired and they're just tired of running the business. And like I say, they let their foot off the gas and the, the business metrics show that. And then they expect often expect to still get premium dollar for their company, despite that declining performance. Well, uh, I'm here to tell you that buyers don't pay for declining performance. They pay for the actual performance of the company. Uh, they also don't pay for potential. I can't tell you how many times I've had business owners say, well, you know, we did 1 million in sales last year, but we, you know, we, we easily could have done 2 million. All the buyer has to do is X, Y, and Z and he'll hit $2 million. Well, that's great. Uh, and that might sweeten the pot a little bit, but it's not going to change the valuation of the company in most cases. So, uh, again, keep your eye on the ball, keep your foot on the gas, you know, all the metaphors that you want to use here to keep the business going strong before sale. Uh, again, that that's kind of uh, mom and apple pie. But, you know, it's important that a business owner uh, acknowledge that. And if they sense themselves getting tired and losing steam, you know, maybe it's time to start having a hard conversation with yourself, with your coach and with your broker about what your next steps are. Um the, uh, you know, and another area that can be tricky you know, when selling a business is customer concentration. Mm -hmm. So if you've got 30, 40, 50, some, in some cases, I've seen 90% of your sales coming through one key customer or one key relationship. Um, that's great that you've built a, a successful business around that relationship, but the buyer is going to be concerned about being able to, to sustain that relationship in your absence. Again, it's not necessarily a showstopper. There are ways to to mitigate that, but it's going to make it challenging. So my advice to business owners is, is look at your customer uh, exposure and make sure you diversify as much as possible. Same thing with, uh, to a lesser extent maybe, but with uh, vendors and suppliers, make sure you've got a diverse supplier base uh, as well. You know, what strikes me are the number of times I've heard a business owner say, well, my friend so-and-so sold his business for this multiple and EBITDA and yada, yada. And and what they don't take into consideration is they don't know what their friend's books, like, books look like. And they also don't know what that friend's business customer concentration happens to be. One of the things I've also seen are people who um, execute certain tax strategies as far as cash is concerned with the business and the amount they pull amount of cash they pull out of the business to sustain their own lifestyle. I think it also helps if somebody knows that in the next few years they want to sell their business so that they can change those strategies. Would you agree? I, I would. Uh, I would. So let's let's be clear. So we're all small business owners, right? It, part of our uh, responsibility is to minimize the, the tax bill to Uncle Sam. We all do it sure. and you should do it. It's part of the game. That's how sure. it works. Um, uh, however, when you start intermingling personal expenses with business expenses, that's when it starts getting uh, tough and questionable um, when you're trying to determine the value of the business. Because now you've got to weed that stuff out to understand what is truly uh, business expenses and what's personal expenses. Now, <clears throat> without going too far into the weeds, uh, when I value a company uh, or when any valuation expert values a company, 
um, you don't really use that net income that's reported on your tax return, right? That's again, like like I mentioned, that's a little bit of an artificiality because you've adjusted that down um, to, to determine cash flow is what I'm talking about here. My, my goal is to understand how much cash a business produces um, before it's an adjusted EBITDA, so it's before interest depreciation, uh, amortization, taxes. Um, and before owners have taken any benefit out of the company, which could be compensation, health insurance, life insurance, cell phone bills, car payments, whatever. So that process we call recasting. It's called recasting your financials. So I take that net income and I add back those things to determine what we call discretionary earnings, and then we price the business as a multiple of those earnings. The reason I tell you all this is because all that stuff that we add back to the income is fine and dandy, but you can be sure that the bank and the buyer is going to want substantiation and proof of those add backs. So if I said, listen, I just, I added $20,000 back to my cash flow uh, because I took a, you know, a European vacation uh, and charged it to the business. Well, great. Let me see the receipts for that vacation uh, and, and you know, make sure that, that you can substantiate it. Um, I, I guess ideally the, my advice would be, Please don't do that. Please don't try not to mix that those personal expenses on your on your business uh, expenses. It just raises a lot of questions and eyebrows. That's great. Mike, thank you so much for those that insight. Folks, we're going to take our break. We'll be back in two minutes. I invite you to download the show notes. That's what they're there for. I'm Wendy Dickinson with Catalytic Conversations here with Mike Metzger. When surveyed, about 90% of business leaders admit that their CRM isn't. The most common cause for that? Salespeople don't use their CRM the way they should. Why not? Well, it takes them too much time and discipline to fill out their CRM completely. And if salespeople don't, the CRM system becomes useless. That's why when we started Salesforce, we asked ourselves, what if we build a CRM system that fills out itself? What if we build a system that surfaces existing data so that you know and remember all about your customers and never forget and disappoint another lead? That's what Salesforce does today. It pulls in all the data buried in your emails, email signatures, calendar, phone, social data, company database, email and web tracking, and offers it to you in an easy way so you and your CRM are always up to date. Want to see this for yourself? Head to salesforce.com and get your free trial. This is William Eastman, managing partner for BrokeWorks Media and station director at IBGR. If you listen to any of our broadcasts, you know we consider all entrepreneurs part of one family. People who are the heroes of our societies because they put their soul into the game and risk failure for everybody else. We want to meet and get to know everyone, like having a family reunion. Plus, to provide the highest quality of programming, we need to hear from you. The place to start is to become a subscriber. Every week we will send you our broadcasting schedule, links to show notes, and occasionally a gift like something practical from our toolbox. It is simple to do. Go to our Join Us page, sign up, 
and become part of the most important global community, entrepreneurs. Never forget, we create over 50% of the jobs around the world. We look forward to meeting you. Conversations on the number one global business talk and news network, IBGR, International Business Growth Radio. I'm your Catalytic Conversations host, Wendy Dickinson, here with Mike Metzger of Murphy Business Sales. This is episode number 10 in season four, and today we're discussing selling your business. Go to our website at ibgr.network and download the show notes. Okay, Mike, this is the segment where we talk about what people need to know. And, and you alluded earlier about when people get tired, that that's one of the signals that they use to decide they're going to sell their business. Can you talk a little bit about timing? Yeah, uh, timing is, is critical, uh, obviously. Um, well, first of all, let me start by saying that to set expectations, Selling a business is not a quick or easy process. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had business owners say, I really need to sell within the next two months, um, which is just not realistic. Um, On average, it takes, and and this is across all uh, industries and across all small businesses, across all geographies, on average, it takes 10 months to sell a business. Now, I can tell you from personal experience, I've sold businesses in six months and I've sold businesses in three years. It really just depends on the business, the nature of the business, uh, and how you've got it priced and so forth. So keep that in mind. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, the next, I, I think, point to consider, um, and, and not to be too uh, critical, but one of my favorite comments that I hear from prospective uh, uh, sellers is, gosh, I can't sell now. I'm making too much money. The company's doing too well. I'm not going to sell now. So you know, my response is, okay, that's great. So are you saying you're going to wait until the company's not doing well and then try to sell? Right. It just makes no sense. It's counterintuitive. So the time to sell is when your company is doing well. That's when it's most attractive. That's when you're going to get the highest valuation and realize uh, the goals that, that you've set for yourself. So, um, again, keep keep that in mind. I, I mean, I, I can't uh, emphasize that enough. Oh, I think that's so important. And, again, to go back to your first point of it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and in light of that, what is one of the first things that you feel like um, an owner needs to do to even prepare for the sale? Well, a lot of it, uh, I think the very first thing is just make up your mind mentally. Are you ready? Are you truly ready to sell the business? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are, hey, you know, let's go. Let's go do it. Uh, if you're not, then, you know, maybe take some time and get, you know, understand where your head is and, and make sure you're truly ready to sell. Um, and I actually do test for that when I talk to 
potential clients. I, I make sure that they're really uh, ready to sell. It's not my job to convince somebody to sell or not sell. Mm-hmm. My job is to help them sell when they've decided that, that it is time. So that's the first step is really understanding your goals, your expectations, uh, and your timing. The next piece is, is, you know, again, really kind of mom and apple pie. It, it's doing the, the, the housekeeping, the good housekeeping, getting the business ready. The first thing is the books. You've got to have clean books. Uh, you, your, your income statement has to match your tax return. Um, uh, when I lift the hood and I start looking at company financials, if I see a lot of discrepancies, um, it, it, again, raises red flags. And I know it's going to raise red flags for the buyers and for the bankers, because mm-hmm. I'd say probably 75% of deals involve some sort of third-party financing. And you can bet that those banks aren't just going to give that money away. They they dig in deep to the business as well to understand those financials. So keep those books clean, uh, keep them consistent. You know, if you're not, here's another one. I see people who try to save money on bookkeepers and accountants oh. because, hey, how, how hard can it be to manage my own QuickBooks? get professional help, get somebody to help you manage the books and make sure that they're clean and in order. Uh, it's, it's, it's worth the investment. Um, uh, so, so again, uh, clean books, uh, part of that is again, managing the financials to make sure that your sales are growing, uh, that you're keeping expenses down so that you maximize your earnings. Those are all again, kind of mom and apple pie, good housekeeping that you need to do, uh, preparatory to sale. Um, now if you've got a, uh, a little more time, a little longer time horizon, you can start addressing some of those things that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the corollary of the, the biggest challenges that I discussed. So if you know that you're the chief cook and bottle washer, start looking for ways to delegate work, start extricating yourself from the value chain, bring on a general manager or, or promote that that guy or gal in your company who's ready for that next step, give him or her more responsibility and start to start to step out, right. start diversifying your customer base, start documenting, document your processes and procedures. There's another problem I see quite often where, uh, especially the, the cheap cook and bottle washer type person, um, all the knowledge is in her head. Mm-hmm. She's run the business from day one. Uh, Uh, she knows exactly tomorrow because nobody else can can replicate those processes and procedures. So um, document your processes. I hope that uh, hope that gives you some some uh, some room for thought. Yeah, it does, and I think it also gives us a sense of the type the way we can business owners can spend their time preparing for the sale. Another thing that I see, Mike, a lot is are business owners who are not really aware of what their business is worth. What about evaluation? Yeah, that's uh, that is absolutely critical. Um, there's an old saying in the business brokerage industry that says your business is worth only what a buyer will pay for it. Right. So you may think your company's worth $5 million, uh, but if no one else thinks that, you're certainly not going to get $5 million. Um, so just a, a couple points on this, Wendy. In most cases, and, and this is a kind of a general rule of thumb in the small business world, most businesses are priced as a multiple of cash flow, mm-hmm. which is why I keep harping on getting those earnings and margins up high, uh, keeping more money uh, or, that you earn, because the multiple of that cash flow is, is going to determine the value of the business. Now, there's some exceptions. There are cases where buyers will buy a company, they could care less about the cash flow, they really just want the 
maybe the territory, the market share, they want the customer base, they want some proprietary product or service that the company has. But those are the exceptions in, in the small business world. Uh, again, 90% are sold as a multiple of cash flow. Uh, so it's it's uh, critical to, to keep that up. Um, where was I going with that? <laughs> so the with the valuation, oh, it's valuation. so important, right. I think, for people to have a realistic expectation of what they can um, sell the business for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is somewhat common as well where well first of all when i start talking to a business owner who's ready uh, who's ready to sell the company the one thing i do not ask and and i'll stop them if they start offering this is what they think the company is worth i don't care and not, not to be blunt here but i don't care what you think the company is worth. don't tell me because i don't want to bias my thinking either right. i'm going to tell you what i think it's worth based on empirical uh, analysis we do we look at comparable sales we do some market research and i'm going to tell you what i think it's worth now to be clear, it is not a precise science. Um, there is a lot of, it's an art and a science. There's some subjectivity in there, uh, and there's certainly room to move either way uh, uh, from, you know, one valuation expert may uh, disagree with another valuation expert, but there is some level of science and precision in it. And uh, I find that doing that analysis and that work up front, getting a valuation or something that we do called a broker's opinion of value, which mm -hmm. is not a certified appraisal. It's a lesser form of that, but considerably less expensive. Um, either way, get, doing that work and getting a realistic est estimate of the value of the business significantly increases your chances of selling it. Um, uh, if you price a business uh, well above what it's worth, um, you're just not going to sell it. Um, and, and honestly, I won't take that listing. So if, if I mm -hmm. if I don't agree with a uh, prospective seller on the value of the company, if we're just too far apart, I'll say, well, thanks so much, Mr. Jones. But uh, I think uh, I don't think I can help you with this one because uh, I don't want to set false expectations either. Um, so it's critical to have a realistic understanding of what the business is worth. And oh, by the way, when you have that analysis in your hands, it makes it a lot easier to talk to buyers. You know, the buyer says, where did you come up with this value? You can, well, I just, you know, I pulled it out of my ear. Or, you know, I know that I need $2 million, $2 million to retire. So that's how I came up with it. If you can show them empirically, this is how we determine the value. Uh, it really, really reduces the, the back and forth haggling when you're in. The yeah, you're right. It does. You know, Mike, another thing that I think is super important that people could choose to do prior to the moment where they decide to sell is they could develop relationships, I think, with the advisors who would be value added during these processes. For example, a broker, um, an attorney who has experience with selling businesses, as well as um, accountants who have that experience. What's your take on that? I mean, do you have recommendations around that? I mean, what what do you see as far as people who have those relationships versus people who try to sell their businesses and don't have that relationship? Yeah, uh, it, it's a great point. Um, selling a business is very much a team sport. And uh, we, we try to take a team-based approach to selling the business. And you hit the, the critical components. Of course, the business broker is uh, you know, the most critical. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the business coach, <laughs> but, um, of course. <laughs> and a business coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but then you know, a close second would be a good, solid business attorney. And I stress business attorney because mm -hmm. 
um, there's many flavors of attorneys. Uh, some are kind of you know, general practitioners. You don't want to hire a divorce attorney to represent you in the sale of your business. Um, you know, a prosecutor. You want somebody who's done small business transactions uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, they'll know how to best represent your interests to make sure that you're protected in the relationship. But they also won't have to reinvent the wheel every time they go through a, a small business transaction, thereby costing you uh, many thousands of dollars in legal expenses. Um, <laughs> I've run into cases where, you know, you're selling a, let, let's call it a, a small, uh, you know, ice cream business. You're just a very, You know, Mike, I'm going to have to interrupt you there. We are going to need to take our short two-minute break, and I'm going to encourage our listeners to stay tuned for the last segment where Mike and I will go into what you as business owners need to do to successfully prepare your business for a sale. I'm Wendy Dickinson with Ascend Coaching Solutions. And If you listen to any of our broadcasts, you know we consider all entrepreneurs part of one family. People who are the heroes of our societies because they put their soul into the game and risk failure for everybody else. We want to meet and get to know everyone, like having a family reunion. Plus, to provide the highest quality of programming, we need to hear from you. The place to start is to become a subscriber. Every week we will send you our broadcasting schedule, links to show notes, and occasionally a gift like something practical from our toolbox. It is simple to do. Go to our Join Us page, sign up, and become part of the most important global community, entrepreneurs. Never forget, we create over 50% of the jobs around the world. We look forward to meeting you. Nothing's good, the news is this is William Eastman, Managing Partner for GrowthWorks Media and Station Director for IBGR. One of my jobs is finding great on-air talent, consultants and business owners with presence and a story to tell. We're expanding our broadcast team to represent our four core time zones, North America, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the Philippines, the India subcontinent, and the last of four, United Kingdom, Ireland, Europe and Africa. If you are a small business consultant or business owner and would like to audition for an on-air slot in our six-hour show cycle, contact the station director, and that is at programming at btr.network. We will respond to your email within one business day. Thanks for listening, and don't miss this great opportunity to put the world back to work and grow with us. Thanks.
Solutions, your host of Catalytic Conversations here with Mike Metzger of Murphy Business Sales. You're listening to IBGR Network, the number one global business talk and news radio. And today, Mike and I are talking about the steps and the things that you can do to prepare your business to successfully sell. So, Mike, what are the steps that you tend to recommend to your clients to follow to prepare their businesses to sell? Yeah, again, uh, Wendy, if, if uh, you've got a little bit of a horizon, so if you've got two, you know, year, two, three years before selling your business, uh, there's a lot of things that you can do now to get it ready for sale and to optimize it. So, you know, the first thing I would say is really take inventory of, of your business, not physical inventory, but, but look at how you're running your company uh, and get some help. Get a business coach, somebody who can uh, be objective and uh, provide maybe a different lens on your business and on your company and how you're running the company uh, to maybe help uncover those blind spots. You know, like I talked about customer concentration or uh, the owner being too and get too too much of the value stream. Those are things where, uh, again, a, a good business coach can actually. Uh, help you see through those and you still got time to work on them and, and improve them before you're uh, ready to sell the business. Um, and that's also part of the next point is build that business team, uh, that, that exit strategy team. So the business coach is a great place to start. Start talking to uh, a business broker now to get a feel for uh, what the process looks like and maybe even what the value of the company looks like. You may even want to get an actual valuation, uh, whether it's a certified formal appraisal uh, or a uh, less rigorous, but still good representation of market value, a broker's opinion of value. And again, that's something that I do quite often uh, hey Mike, for uh, clients. About yeah. how much would that cost somebody? Well, I can tell you that, that certified appraisals, and by the way, we do these uh, here at Murphy. We have mm -hmm. a group of appraisers. They're all USPAP certified, which is the credentialing authority. Uh, those started about $4,000, and they can go up to $10,000, depending on the size and nature and complexity of the business. Mm -hmm. For smaller businesses, again, kind of under that $2 million gross sales threshold, really trying to understand what the market price, a third, part, third party arm's length uh, sale of the business in the market would be. Uh, a broker's opinion of value, uh, which is what I do locally, costs about $1,500. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it uses a couple different methodologies to determine a range of market value. And it's a really good yardstick for determining the value of the company. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking earlier about, or you just mentioned the, the exit strategy team. We talked about an accountant, an attorney, both who, who have had um, experience in, in these kinds of tra transactions. I also recommend that my clients circle up with their financial planners so that they make sure that they understand exactly what their retirement funding needs are. Not that that has any implication on how much their business is worth, but it gives the owner, I think, the, the information they need to make informed decisions when their prospective buyers perhaps offer an earnout or or offer them the opportunity to reinvest in some way in the company so i would i would think that a financial planner we need to add to that team as well yeah no that that's a great point is understanding what to do with the proceeds of the sale mm -hmm. uh, and if i could just add on to that wendy uh, you, you know you mentioned an accountant um, it's important that you get somebody who understands the tax laws and tax code because um, Probably not a big surprise, but Uncle Sam is going to take some of the proceeds of that sale. And there's ways to minimize that. Um, and But it's also important 
that you just understand how much of that sale uh, you're going to be giving to Uncle Sam. And it, it varies based on whether you're an LLC, an S-Corp, a C-Corp. Uh, those have uh, critical implications on the, the, the tax bill that you're going to pay. So have that conversation with your accountant early. Yeah, that makes total sense. And going back to a point you made earlier, I think we're also recommending everybody take a two-week vacation to do a, a, a litmus test of the way their company can function without them, right? Right. Absolutely. Just don't charge it to the business. Exactly. <laughs> That's so true. So what else? What are what else should a business owner do when they're preparing to sell their business? Yeah. Um, again, kind of summarizing some of the other uh, points that I made, and we talked about uh, taking the vacation and delegating responsibilities to other. Start documenting your processes. Right. Make sure that you've got processes and procedures in place that can be uh, replicated. Um, that'll make your your transition much easier. Um, you, you know, start thinking about your customer base and diversifying that customer base, and and likewise to a lesser extent your your suppliers as well. If you've got if you're making widgets and you've got one supplier of the raw materials that you need to make that, what happens if that company goes under? Uh, where are you going to source your your materials? So, you know, think of, think through things like that. And again, a business coach can help you think uh, about that stuff as well. Um, and, and you know, again, kind of going back to maybe the, the psychological aspect of preparing yourself for the business, have those conversations with your family, with your spouse, with your kids. Uh, here's another thing that I see quite often is, uh, business owners approach me and say, I'm ready to sell. You know, the plan was I was always going to give the company to Junior. Well, guess what? Junior's got uh, an MBA from Harvard and doesn't want to run mom's dry cleaners anymore. Uh, so now, you know, now you've got to sell it on the market. So yeah. again, don't be surprised by that. Have those conversations with your family um, early on and make sure that, that everyone's kind of rowing in the same direction. I think that's great advice, and that's actually part of the process I have of working with people and, and helping them think through not only the cycle of their business in choosing a time to sell, um, looking at market and industry industry trends, but also taking a look at the, the life cycle of their own family. You know, if, if you know that you have certain huge life events coming up, then that's probably not the best time to sell. And I'm going to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier in an earlier segment in timing. Another aspect of timing is to make sure that you have the, the energy and the, and the attention, the bandwidth to lead the sales process and then to assign and, and have other people on your team ready and queued up to take over some of your own tasks and responsibilities so that you can lead through the transaction while the company is still hitting its numbers and performing according to forecasts. That's right. That's that's so critical. Um, believe it or not, I've actually had that happen as well. Where um, uh, I, I'd have a business listen, we have a, we'd have a buyer sometimes even under contract. Yeah. But during the two or three or four months that we've had it under contract the seller took their foot off the gas and the numbers have declined. They let go a key employee. They didn't re renew certain contracts or relationships. Now the buyer takes another look and goes, wait a second, this is not what I signed up to buy. So right. my advice to every seller is you keep running the business. Let me sell the business. You know, you do what you need to do to keep, uh, you know, keep managing the day-to-day -day operations and, and sustaining those sales. Uh, let me work on selling the business. Yeah, because anything like that is an opportunity to renegotiate the purchase price, and nobody wants to do that. 
that's right. That's right. And it does happen. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. And, and so the other thing that I find that business owners don't often think about is kind of the curb appeal. And I guess we could use the analogy here that, you know, if you're going to sell your house, for example, there are certain things that you do before you put it on the market. I feel like for a business, that's also true, especially for the businesses in, in the kind of bracket that we're talking about here, the small business to the lower middle market. Sometimes those kind of those kind of physical outward appearance things fall by the wayside because they're really not that important, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I, as you're saying that, Wendy, I'm thinking of some of the examples that I've seen uh, over the last just couple of years. You know, one company, I, I felt like I was walking into a coal mine. It was dark and dingy and filthy, and there's junk everywhere. Uh, and contrast that to another company I worked with, where this owner had every part and every skew identified in very neat little bins. It was well lit. It looked like a modern facility. And, and those have, uh, you know, that, that has visual impact on buyers. Buyers don't want to buy a scrungy, nasty coal mine. They want to buy that nice, bright uh, company. So take it. Yeah, I'm not saying it needs to uh, be pristine, but take to your point, take that step to clean out the uh, uh, obsolete inventory and yes. equipment, uh, you know, uh, clean the floors, uh, change the light bulbs, you know, yeah. simple things like that. It, it, it's very much like like you said, like staging a house. Yeah, and going back to that obsolete inventory, I mean, somebody is not, a prospective buyer is not gonna pay for that. They're not gonna help you recoup your sunk cost on something that you don't use. That's right. Yeah, so just let go of that. Sell it on your own right now before you even get to that point. The last point I'd like to make, because we we only have about a minute left, is that you, Mike, have, have emphasize several times how important it is to prepare the people who work in your business for the transition. And I feel like that's something that I'd like to leave our our listeners with an idea of how important that is so that those people who work for you and with you will continue to stay with the business and help it flourish under the new owner. Yeah, that's always, without exception, that's always the trickiest part is the people. Because um, especially in the small business world, your employees are very much like your family. And uh, every owner I've worked with or every seller I've worked with is concerned about making sure that those employees are taken care of post-transition. Now, it's a little bit of a balancing act, though, because in most cases, they know nothing about the sale of the business until you know, the day prior or the day of in some cases. Uh, so, so you've got to understand and manage uh, how you communicate with those employees. And that's where, you know, I can give some recommendations based on my experience. Wendy, I know you've, uh, you've gone through this as well. Uh, and, you know, just have that conversation to make sure that you don't alert your employees prematurely, but you also don't completely surprise them and freak them out uh, at the point of, of sale and closing. But that's always a tricky, tricky uh, uh element of selling a company. So Mike, if somebody happens to be in the Virginia area and they want to talk to you about selling their business, how should they contact you? Yeah, thanks, uh, Wendy. So, you know, my phone number is uh, 804-601-8928. And I think that'll probably be in your show notes as well. Uh, Or you can reach me on the website. It's Murphy Business, all one word, murphybusiness.com slash Richmond. Great. I'm Wendy Dickinson with Catalytic Conversations, thanking you, Mike, so much for being with us today. Listeners, I encourage you to hang on and listen to James Bryant's Better You For You and 
Catch up with us next week as we cover the next stages of